Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, good morning. My name's Dan. If we haven't met yet, I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. And Merry Christmas to you all. Um, we had a great Christmas party last night. If you missed this one, don't worry. There's one next year that you can attend. Um, but we had a fun time. I won a couple games of Uno, so if anybody wants to challenge me to Uno later. Josh says he wants to challenge me. Challenge accepted. Um, well, hey, uh, we are in um, this series um, called Christmas Revealed. And um, before we get into it, I just want to tell you Christmas Eve um, is a family-friendly. We'll have all the kids in here. Um, it'll be a shorter service, probably 45, 50 minutes, something like that. Because um, we know the kids like to get squirrely. And it's just going to be a celebration. There's even a rumor going around that we might... Um, sing happy birthday to Jesus with the kids. So it'll just be a fun time. Um, these cards are on the back table. Um, this little card right here. And it's just a way you can invite people around you, whoever's in your sphere. Maybe it's neighbors you haven't even met yet. Uh, maybe it's friends, maybe it's family. And you just invite them to Christmas Eve with, with these guys. And then we have some leftover door hangers. If you want to take those, you can put them around your neighborhood if you want. Uh, give them to friends, family, but... This is one of those one of those seasons where people are just widely open to an invitation to church, um, just because it's ingrained in lots of people that you go to church on Christmas Eve, and so it's it's an easy invitation to say, "Hey, come to church with me," and and people are more likely to say yes this time of year. Um, so feel free to do that as you're led, and even maybe you don't have anybody in mind, take a couple of these home. And just leave them somewhere where you see them on your fridge or something and just pray every time you see them. Hey, God, who do you want me to give these to? Who do you want me to invite to Christmas Eve? Um, what if someone's story starts with like, hey, you know, somebody gave me a card to come to Christmas Eve and then I found the love of Jesus and their whole story continues out of that. Like you could be a part of that. God might have a divine appointment for you there. So yeah, we are in our uh, third week of this series um, called Christmas Revealed, and we're kind of rediscovering the gifts that God has given us this season. It's Advent, it's the Christmas season where we celebrate God with us, and as he is with us, we receive his gifts of hope and joy and peace and love and an abundance of other gifts. And we all love to receive gifts, don't we? Like, I don't know anybody that's really like, oh, I hate gifts. Gifts are the worst. That's not something that people do, right? Everybody loves a gift. Now, there's uh, three kinds of gifts in the world, I think. There's the first kind of gift that's like, means almost nothing. Like, you get that email in your inbox on your birthday and some Amazon or somebody says, hey, you get 5% off one full price item. And you're like, eh, that means nothing to me, you know? Um, I once got a birthday card, um, and you know, around your birthday, your birthday week, you know, you're checking the mailbox and you see a, a birthday card size card in your mailbox. It's always exciting, right? So that's what I see in my mailbox. I um, take it back to the house. I start to open it like, who sent me a birthday card? Like it's handwritten on the front or it looks like it. And I open it up and it is a card from an insurance agent offering me, it says, Dan, the, the resident insurance agent right back there is giving me a thumbs up. It wasn't from him, but it says, happy birthday, I have a free gift for you. 
get a free life insurance quote today. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks so much. First, how did you get to know my birthday? That's a little creepy. Um, B, um, I've never heard of you. Like, you're a salesman. This isn't a real birthday card. And C, thank you so much for reminding me that I'm one step closer to death and that I should actually get life insurance. So that's the kind of gift that's like, no one really needs that gift. Then there's that gift where, you know, someone gives you and you don't really need it or want it. But it's one of those things where you say, well, it's a thought that counts. Like, it still means a little something, right? We've all probably gotten a thought that counts gift. When I was a boy, I got, uh, there's a very well-meaning family friend that gave me a gift card. Actually, it's a gift certificate on paper. That's um, special. Um, She gave me a gift certificate to a bookstore in town, and after I opened it, she was like, Daniel, because that was my childhood name, um, Daniel, do you like books? And not wanting to lie, I said, no, not really. (laughs) And later my mom told me, you know, you probably shouldn't say that and find something you would like at the bookstore. So there's those kind of presents. And then, of course, there are the gifts that mean the most to us. The gifts that are well thought out from a loved one usually. And these are unexpected gifts, maybe even undeserved. And you know that so much thought and care goes into them that you intrinsically know through just a simple gift how much this person loves and appreciates you. And that's the kind of gift that we receive from God. And it's the kind of gift that we celebrate during this Christmas season. He knows us. He loves us so deeply. He knows what we need. He knows what our hearts are longing for more than ever. And it's not a new Lexus. It's something deeper and greater. He offers us these gifts, and we celebrate them at Christmas time. But these are the gifts that are available to us all year round. So far in the series, we've talked about the gift that God's given us, the gift of light in our dark world. We know we live in a broken world. There's evil and darkness around every corner. And he offers us forgiveness and redemption to all who receive it. And then he gives us, he gives his followers that same light to go and give to them, those around them. And then last week, Liz told us about the gift of peace. That we can have peace with God. It doesn't matter where we come from, who we are, what we've done. We are chosen by God. We are his people. It doesn't matter how much darkness we've been in in the past. But because of Jesus, we are righteous in the eyes of God. And he will use us to bring about his perfect purposes. And so now this week, we learn about the gift of joy through his upside-down kingdom, the kingdom that doesn't always make sense to us, but we, we receive joy through it. So we're going to be in Matthew 2 today. So if you got your Bibles or devices, um, Matthew 2, 1 through 8 is where we're going to be. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So here's a map of where the wise men came from. Every time 
I get a chance to show you a map. I usually do. I, I am a person that loves maps. In college once, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but in college once, I wanted to take a Bible map college, so I asked a professor if I could just make one up, and he gave me, it was an independent study, so I took a Bible map college, uh, class. It was fun. Anyway, so these guys are coming from Babylon, traveling all the way over to Jerusalem, then Bethlehem, so that's uh, modern-day Iraq, and then they uh, go through uh, Jordan up there, and Lebanon, and down into Israel. And these wise men, or magi, as your Bible might translate it, uh, we could do a whole, you know, month-long study on these guys. But to put it simply, they were uh, the ruling elite intellectual class of ancient Persia. So they were important people. And this is a land where, uh, you remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in those stories in the Old Testament. If you haven't read those, check them out in the book of Daniel. Um, but that's where they lived their lives, over in Babylon. Um, and so they refused to bow down to the earthly king there. They said, we're only bowing to the one true God. And so the whole nation, in, in some form, knows about Daniel um, and his friends who refused to bow down. Their, their God was, is a great God. And so these guys, these wise men, they saw the star. They concluded that the future king of the world would be born in Judea, um, the legend Daniel's home country. You know, for the first time in my life this week, I realized how absurdly hilarious this scene is. Um, these guys, they walk in to the capital of Jerusalem. And to be clear, it's not just three guys. It's probably a group of people. We've always said three wise men because there's three gifts, but we really don't know how many. There's um, probably a group of them, and they're probably traveling in a caravan of multiple camels and donkeys and um, servants. And so these guys are walking through the streets of Jerusalem. People are probably like, oh, who are these guys? Why are these Babylonian wise men here? And um, what have they come to do? Like, are they here to pay homage to our great King Herod? And so they walk into King Herod's glorious palace, this beautiful palace, and they go before his throne the current king, and they say, hey, Herod, we know that you're the king now, but we want to know where the great king is, the, the better king to come. What a threat, right? Like, who, who walks into a palace like that and says, where's the better king? Where's the true king? We have gifts for him, not for you. I was trying to think what this might be like for me in my context, and I was thinking about Pastor Appreciation Month. You guys always bless Liz and I so much um, in October. And I was thinking about, like, what if someone walked in here on Pastor Appreciation Month with, like, some frankincense and some myrrh and a pile of gold, maybe, with bows on top, and they walk up to me. You know, maybe they're carrying these gifts. And I'm like, oh, cool. And they're like, hey, where's the pastor? We want to know where the pastor is. And I'm like, oh, yes, I'm about to get some gold. All right. Right here. Pastor's right here. And they're like, oh, no, not you. The, the better pastor, the greater pastor to come. Right? That's, that would be a threat. It would be offensive, right? And that's what these guys essentially do to Herod. Um, and so uh, great, the great King Herod, he, he didn't get to where he was by ruling and peace and kindness and love. He was a tyrant. He ruled in tyranny. He killed people and families at the drop of a hat. Like, he was ruthless. He was brutal. 
He was a brutal dictator. And so I'm sure that he would have killed those wise men right there and then for that act if he didn't have something to gain from them. So let's read on to verse 3. King Herod was deeply disturbed, obviously, when he heard this, and as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them this time. Uh, he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. Would you look at that? Herod, Herod's a Jesus follower. He wants to go worship Jesus and love Jesus. And, um, you know, he was going to give up his throne and his evil ways for the ways of Jesus. Of course, that's not what happened. Is not what's happening here. He sees Jesus, this future king, as a threat to his earthly throne. And so his intention is to find out where this baby king is and do away with the threat. Herod was a Jew. He had much to gain by this Messiah king being born. This is the prophesied king that would bring peace to the region. And most Jewish people's understanding was that he was going to put Jewish people back on top, overthrow the Roman government, release them from oppression. And although Jesus didn't come to overthrow Rome, he came to bring spiritual peace and spiritual life to not just Israel, but the whole world. And ultimately, Herod rejected that. He would have had to give up too much. His cost to actually worship this king was too great. He couldn't do it. It was a threat to him. Uh, back in the 80s, there was this college basketball coach, um, and his name was Speedy Morris. And he had a, he had a smaller school basketball team that he had grown and developed into a great team where they got to go to the NCAA basketball tournament um, a few years in a row. And it was a pretty big deal for that smaller school. And no one expected them to get there. Um, he was a local hero, you know, like just like, wow, he did it. He got us to the, to the NCAA tournament multiple years in a row. He was doing all these interviews on local TV and everything. And he started to think, man, I'm a great coach. Like, why am I not getting national recognition? This is absurd. Like, I should have more recognition than I have. Well, one morning, he was shaving in the bathroom upstairs, and his wife called out, Hey, Sports Illustrated is on the phone for you. So he was so excited. You know, this is the days before cordless phones, and there was a corded phone. He had to run downstairs, and so he was so excited. He, like, jolted. He cut himself shaving, and so he's, he's running down the stairs with like blood and lather dripping down his face. And he trips down the stairs. He falls halfway down the stairs, twists his ankle, gets to the phone and says, Hello, this is Speedy. And the voice on the other end says, Sir, for just 75 cents an issue, you can get a one-year subscription of Sports Illustrated. 
For Speedy, he thought the prize, the opportunity was great. And so he was willing to give it all. He was willing to just run towards it as fast as he could. He was willing to throw to the side whatever he was doing, doing to answer this call. For Herod, the cost was too great. It was too much to follow God. He couldn't give up what he had. Worshiping the Savior would cost him the things in the world that he loved so dearly. Power, money, whatever that may have been for him. You know, the Bible tells us that we all have this little spirit of Herod in us. Where we live our lives and we reject the plans of God. We don't want the good things that he has for us. If you were going to ask me for some verses in this Christmas season to bring comfort and joy, the verses that I'm about to read to you aren't those verses. Not at first, anyway. I'll, I'll tell you about the, the second half, the, the, um, the joy and the comfort that we have in these verses. But first, let me, let me read these to you. This is uh, Romans 8, 7. I don't have slides for these, but if you want to look them up, you can. Um, Romans 8, 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile, hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. Oh boy, that's kind of harsh, huh? We're hostile to God. We're never going to obey God, and we never will. Uh, then we move on to Romans 3. Uh, I'll just hit the highlights here. This is Romans 3, 9. All people are under the power of sin. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. The entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God. For no one can ever be made right with God. Oh, man. Then Romans 5 tells us that we're the enemies of God. What a bunch of hopeless verses, right? If those are true, then I am Herod. Like that spirit of Herod, the, the spirit where I just want to like control my whole life, not worship Jesus, not let him into my life, that's, a, that's Herod and, and that's me. And maybe at this point you're saying, Dan, come on, it's Christmas time. Where's the hope? Where's the joy? Where's the goodwill and good tidings to all men? You're killing the Christmas vibes. Sure, <laughs> I am. But this, this is a central part of the Christmas story that you and I have lived in darkness. Everyone has. We've all turned our backs on God in some way or another. We've all been enemies of God. We're hostile towards his direction in our lives. We don't seek his will. Our selfish desires are threatened by Jesus, just like Herod. And so we sit on the throne of our lives Jesus, even though he brings gifts of peace and hope and joy and forgiveness, he is a threat to our control. And so we reject him. But remember, I told you there are comfort in these verses. These verses in their context, I completely took them out of their context, are actually full of blessing and love and kindness and forgiveness and all the themes of Christmas are in these verses. 
So let me reshare them in context with you. So Romans 8, where we're hostile to God, right after that, this is what is written in Romans. But you, here's, I love the but. The but always means that the last part isn't um, permanent. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And Christ lives within you so that even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. Then Romans 3, this is the one where all people are under the power of sin. No one's righteous. No one does good. The entire world is guilty before God. The very next verses are this. But now God has, here's another but, but now God has shown us a way to be, to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone have sin has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right <clears throat> in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. And then Romans 5, where we're talking about being the enemies of God. Uh, this is Romans 5.10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Do you see the theme there? Like it's full of hope and joy for us. Like even though no matter who we've been in the past, we have this hope and joy in Jesus for what he has done. We move from darkness to light. We move from being guilty to righteous, from death to life, from being God's enemies to now being friends with God, no matter who we are. And so when I consider the meaning of these scriptures, they do bring me great comfort because they tell me that no matter how, no matter how bad I have screwed up, no matter what I've done, how much I've cursed God in my own soul, no matter how much I have been like Herod, rejecting him, choosing my own selfish ways, he restores me. He restores us. In the love story of Hosea, it's another book in the Old Testament. <clears throat> it's a book about how the people of God have rejected his ways. They've just rejected God. They've gone on to uh, worship false gods, to do things that are totally not in God's heart. And so there's this passage where God lists through his prophet Isaiah um, what should happen to these people, what's going to happen to them. 
They had made promises to God. They had broken these promises in grand fashion. And so Hosea, on behalf of God, lists all these ways uh, of what they deserve to have happen. So after this, and they're, they're awful things. And so after this list is finished, the very next verses, God says this. He says, but how could I let that happen to you, Israel? My heart recoils within me. Like that idea that, like, like if God is going to go on without his people, it's going to make him sick. He loves them so much despite what they've done. My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not destroy you. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. You see, this is the gift of the backwards, upside-down kingdom of Jesus. God's way of doing things is not our way of doing things. He's God. And sometimes we can project our humanness onto God and say, well, God, if you're, if I'm so upset at myself or if I'm so upset at this person for whatever they did or whatever I've done, you must feel the same way. But he is God and not a man. God's always doing this kind of unexpected thing all throughout Scripture. There's example of example of example. Time and time again, God's always doing things how we think maybe it's a little bit backwards. Like having the Savior of the world be born in a barn and sleeping in a manger. It's a little bit backwards. Tim Keller, a pastor in New York, he says this. Over and over and over again, God says, I will choose Nazareth, not Jerusalem. I will choose the girl nobody wants. I will choose the boy everybody has forgotten. Why? Is it just that God likes underdogs? No. He is telling us something about salvation itself. Every other religion, moral philosophy, tells you to summon up all of your strength and live as you ought. Therefore, they appeal to the strong, to the people who can pull it together, the people that can summon up the blood. Only Jesus says, I have come for the weak. I have come for those who admit they are weak. I will save them not by what they do, but through what I do. Throughout Jesus' life, the apostles and the disciples keep saying to him, Jesus, when are you going to take power and save the world? And Jesus keeps saying, You don't understand. I'm going to lose all my power and die to save the world. This is God's backwards kingdom. He is God. And he does stuff his way for our good. He tells us that his love for us is too strong. His forgiveness is endless. His peace is too vast. So in love... He gives us these gifts freely through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the backwards kingdom of God. God, the living God of the universe, coming to earth to die for you and me, to take our wrongdoings on his shoulders, and then raising again three days later to conquer death and sin 
with and for us. That's the backwards kingdom of God. God coming to earth not in a palace, but in a feeding trough. Not as royalty, but as a simple peasant. Not in glory, but in shame as a bastard child. Not as a ruler, but as a servant. Not with wrath, but in love. Not with judgment, but instead forgiveness for us. Not to be served, but to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world so that we can truly live. And as a follower of Jesus, that is what gives us joy as we celebrate this Christmas season. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful for uh, what you've brought to us. Like no matter what we've done, you wipe out because you took the penalty for our sins on the cross. Jesus, we don't deserve that. It is un- it's an unexpected gift, but it is what we need. We praise you for being a God that's a, little, that's a lot a bit backwards. That doesn't make sense to us, but is always for our good. We praise you for that. Jesus, we love you. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.